Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener-Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Good Monday, everyone. Well, we have been talking about our future and how we enter into the good plans and purposes that God has for us. We are seeing that we have a part to play in shaping our fate. Our fate is not determined by something outside of ourselves. It's not determined by the stars. It's not determined by the happenstance of our circumstances. No, God has a plan and a purpose for us, and it's a good plan. We've seen that as we have read the scriptures, plans to give us a future and a hope. But we are seeing that we have a part to play in it. Our choices, our actions are an essential part for our entering in to the future that God has for us. And we are using the words that God spoke to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 11 to inspire and encourage us. Here God says, Arise, begin your journey, go in and possess the land. God had given Moses the Ten Commandments and now he was to arise, begin his journey, go in and possess the land. And so we have seen that the very first thing we have to do is to arise. We have to get up. And this command has been given different times throughout the scripture. We saw last week how God called Abraham and told him to arise and to walk in the land and that he was going to give him every place that his foot stepped on. If we are going to possess new territory, enter into new areas of our life, no matter what it may be, in the area of our work or the area of our finances or in the area of developing our relationships or spirituality, all of these things require that we arise, that we step out. We have to get out of our comfort zone. Now on Friday we spoke of Aeneas, a man who was paralyzed for eight years and Peter spoke to him and said, Arise, make your bed. And it said that Aeneas arose immediately and he stood up. And we saw how our past can cripple and paralyze us to the future. When Peter told Aeneas to get up, he could have said, I can't get up. There's no way. I've tried in the past. I've been paralyzed for eight years. But at the word of Peter, he put an effort forward and he got up. Peter told him to take up his bed. The cushion that he was lying on to give him comfort in his paralyzed condition, he was told to take it up, put it away. And so it is with us. We can be lying in a paralyzed state, not accomplishing anything, not going anywhere, and we make excuses. We have our bed of excuses of why we can't do what we would like. Well, either we're too old or we're too young or we don't have enough money or we don't have enough education or I don't have the opportunity. All of these are a bed of excuses that we rest upon to ease ourselves from the discomfort 
of not doing what we know God wants us to do. And so I'm extending this call that Peter gave to Aeneas and I'm calling it out to you and say, arise, get up, put away your bed of excuses and put an effort forward and God will meet you and empower you to do what you haven't been able to do in the past. Now, this call to arise echoes over and over down through the pages of Scripture. Not only did he tell Abraham and Moses and Aeneas, but we find in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2 that the word of the Lord comes to Joshua and he says, Arise, go over this Jordan and possess the land. So again, Joshua was encouraged to get up, put an effort forward, start out, get going, begin your journey. Now, what stood before Joshua in accomplishing this? Well, it was the River Jordan. And the scripture said that at that time of year, it was overflowing its banks. You see, many times when God calls us to arise, it doesn't mean that there's not obstacles before us. And the temptation is always to us. Well, this is not the appropriate time. Let's put this off a little bit. I mean, the river is overflowing its banks right now. And if we wait a few months when the river goes down, it'll be easier for us to cross over the Jordan. But when God says arise, we need to obey his voice. Listen, you will never find the optimum moment to step out. Sometimes you just got to step out, even though there's obstacles, even though other people are telling you to wait, you need to step out. I have seen so many people miss what God had for them because they always delay. They're always saying there's a better time. They are always seeing the obstacles in front of them. And so they never step out. So let's take from Joshua's story that even though there's obstacles in front of us, we're not going to wait. We're going to step out. Another person who heard the word arise was Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16 when he was down at Jesse's house and he was to anoint the next leader of Israel. Jesse had presented all his sons before Samuel, but God said, no, none of these are the one. But when he saw David, the Lord said, arise, anoint him. This is the one. Here's another aspect of where we need to arise and do something, and that is to anoint leadership in our life. I believe that God does not want any of us to go through life without a spiritual leader, without a pastor, without a mentor of some sort that is encouraging us and helping us. And I find that so many people do not enter in to what God has for them because they have never established in their life the spiritual leadership that God wants them to have. The scripture says to know those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and to respond to what they say to you, because if you don't, it's not going to be of any advantage to you. We need to arise and do something in the area of spiritual leadership in our life. And also, I think this word comes to husbands and fathers in the home that says, arise, take your place of leadership. Know that God wants you to be the example in your home. 
So these are important words to us. Put away all of our excuses and let's arise and do this. Gideon also spoke these words as God was raising him up to be a deliverer of the people of Israel. He only had 300 people to go against the thousands of Midian. But he said, Arise, God has delivered them into our hands. And so even though we might look at ourselves and say we have inadequate resources, there's still a point in time at the word of the Lord, we are to arise and put an effort forward, even though we would think in the natural, I'm not up to this. And then we see Elijah was also told to arise and eat for the journey is long. This was in 1 Kings chapter 19. Here was an area where Elijah needed to be strengthened and sustained for the journey that he was going to take. And he had to arise to eat in order for that to happen. I tell you, we need to arise in order to gain spiritual food and insight. What does that mean? Well, it can mean just literally arising Sunday morning and getting out of your bed and going to church and not having a mindset, well, we'll see if we'll go to church on Sunday. But rather, just have a mindset, it's Sunday morning. We're going to arise. We're going to go. We're going to receive spiritual nourishment. You see, all of these places in the Bible where God told people to arise, I believe they share an insight to our personal lives. Now, another person who was told to arise was Jeremiah. And we find in chapter 18, he was told to arise, go down to the potter's house. And when he went to the potter's house, he received direction from what he saw there. Many times we have to arise and put an effort forward in order to hear what God is saying to us. Jonah was told after he was vomited by the whale, to arise and go to Nineveh and preach. Before when he was called, he didn't want to. He didn't have a heart to go. He tried to run from God. But he ended up swallowed by a whale and cast out on the shore. And once he was cast out on the shore, it says in Jonah 3.2 that the Lord said, Arise and go to Nineveh. God tells us to arise even after we have missed it even when we have failed to obey his voice in the past. He still calls us to arise. He gives us a second chance. Maybe someone's listening to me today, and you've heard God say to you to arise in the past, but you ran from him. You didn't do it, and you got yourself into all kinds of trouble. Well, listen to the Lord's voice again. He's telling you again, arise and do what he has called you to do. And if you will, God will meet you. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, Philip was told to arise and go south along the road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And there he found a man who was seeking the Lord, reading the scripture, the Ethiopian eunuch, and he joined himself to the chariot and he was able to talk to him about the Lord. Listen, many times God calls us to arise, get out of our comfort zone, do something different, make a change, make a call, reach out to someone, leave where we are and go to someone that has a need so that we can share the gospel with them. All of these applications are coming out of God's call to people to arise. Saul was told on the road to Damascus to arise and go into the city. 
And there he was going to be told what to do to be saved. Ananias was told to arise and go down and meet Saul and to pray for him that he would be healed. And Peter was told in Acts 10 to arise and go with the people that had come to him so he could go to Cornelius' house and share the gospel there. All of these portions of scripture are telling us where we need to arise in response to God's call. We are here in this earth for a reason and a purpose. He has a plan for us. But we get sitting back. We have our feet up. We're sitting in our easy chair. But when God calls us, we have to leave that. We have to get up. We have to arise. And when we do, we'll see God meet us and his plan and purposes will be worked through our lives. Well, that brings us to the end of today. But we will be back tomorrow and talk more of these things. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life and Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. But as you know, we are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 1030. Go to our website at kwcf.org to check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now, but the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance. Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener-Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Good Tuesday, everyone. Well, for the last number of days, we have been talking about how do we move into the future that God has planned for us. He does have plans, but it is not an established fate. We have a part to play in bringing God's plans and purposes for our life into being. And so our topic has been shaping our fate. How do we contribute our part in order that God's plan and purposes for our life can come about? And we are using Deuteronomy chapter 10 and 11 as our pattern to use to move forward into the future that God has for us. God had a future for Israel. He had a land that he wanted to give to them and he had promised it to them. And so after giving the Ten Commandments to Moses, he said, Arise! Begin your journey, go in, and possess the land. And just as Israel was to go in and to possess the land that God had promised them, I am using this verse to encourage us to arise, begin our journey, and to go in and possess the territory and the area that God wants you to have. 
And we saw that there's different areas. It could be our spiritual life, could be in the area of our talents, could be in our physical well-being. It could be in an area of relationships, could be in our work, could be in our finances. There are new areas in every dimension of our life that God wants us to move into, possess, and enjoy. We have seen that the first step is to arise. And if you have been listening over the last number of days, you know that we have seen that God told Abraham to arise. He told Joshua to arise. He told Samuel to arise. Gideon, Elijah, Jeremiah, Jonah, Philip, Saul, Ananias. He told all these people at some point to arise and to do something. And so this is the pattern. God speaks to us and he wants us to arise and begin to do our part in order to possess the land he wants us to have. So if we're getting the picture, we can see that God really doesn't want his people sitting around. Arise is a word of faith. It's a word of challenge. Even in the midst of our weakness and paralysis, he calls us to arise. And if we will respond by faith, God will do his part to enable us. Now, there's one other aspect of this that we need to speak about here. And that is, how do we respond? How do we arise? Well, we find that the Lord gave some detailed directions to Moses how he would fulfill that command to arise, begin your journey, go in and possess the land. We find in Numbers chapter 10 and verse 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them out of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. You see, the Lord had told Moses, Arise, begin your journey. Well, how was he going to get the people to arise to begin that journey? Well, he said, Hammer out some trumpets and use them for directing the movement of of the camp. Now let's go on in verse 3. When they blow both of them, all the congregation shall gather before you at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. But if they shall blow only one, then the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel, shall gather to you. And when you sound the advance, the camps that lie on the east side shall then begin their journey. When you sound the advance the second time, then the camps that lie on the south side shall begin their journey. They shall sound the call for them to begin their journeys. And when the assembly is to be gathered together, you shall blow, but not sound the advance. The sons of Aaron, the priest, shall blow the trumpets, and these shall be to you as an ordinance forever throughout your generations. Now, I believe that this is very important to us today. We're reading the Old Testament example of how Moses was to literally get the people to arise to move into the promised land that God had given them. But we see here they had to be organized. There had to be a way to tell the people to get up. There had to be a signal that aroused them to get going. And so God said very practically to them, you need to hammer out some silver trumpets. And then he gives him these different directions of how they would blow at a certain time and the way that they blew them would signal the congregation to do certain things at certain times. 
you know this is very similar to what the old-time armies used. They had a buglist, and they would blow the bugle. And the bugle calls would determine what the army were to do. They had a bugle call for people to get up in the morning. They had a bugle call to eat. There was a bugle call that told the army to advance or to retreat. Certain bugle calls that would tell the army what they were to do. Now, this is the idea that we see here that God told Moses. Make trumpets. Here's the different signals that they are to sound, and this would direct the company of Israel. He goes on to tell them the sons of Aaron, the priests, would be the ones to blow the trumpets, and that this would be an ordinance forever throughout your generations. I believe that even that phrase at the end, that this will be an ordinance forever throughout your generations, is speaking to us that this would come down to us today. Now, we may not literally have silver trumpets that we need to blow in order for us to arise to do the things that God wants us to do. But we do need something. We need some kind of instrument that we have hammered out that causes us to overcome our lethargy and that prompts us to get up and get moving. Just as we need an alarm in the morning to get out of bed, we need some kind of trumpet that tells us to get up and to do the things that God wants us to do. You see, the reason we need it is our human nature. We need an alarm clock in the morning simply because the good intention to get up is not enough. If you just left it to yourself when you went to bed at night, well, I think I'll just get up at 6 o'clock so I can go to work. Some may be able to, but the vast majority of us would sleep in. We would have a good intention, but just because of our human nature and our drowsiness, we will not do what we intend to do. So what do we do? We set an alarm, something that goes off, that signals to us it's time to get up. I believe that if we're going to respond to what God wants us to be, we have to have similar things that overcomes the weakness of our flesh so that we can do what we should. I mean, this was the problem with Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane when he slept when he should have been praying. And it's interesting, when Jesus came back and found Peter sleeping, he said to him, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this is our problem. Many times we have a willingness in our spirit to do what God wants us to do. But because of the weakness of our flesh, we don't always follow through and do the things we need to do. And so this example to us in Scripture of hammering out some trumpets is very important to us today. So I want to get into some practical things, some tools, some instruments that we can implement in our life that causes us to get over the weakness of our flesh so that we can do what our spirit is longing to do and what God is leading us to do. Now let's look at some scriptures here to see how all this comes together. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, we find that John is exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And it says this, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice, as of a trumpet, 
saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Now, I want to share where the origin of this trumpet must come from. It must be initiated by the voice of the Lord. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. In other words, I believe he was meditating, he was praying, he was seeking the Lord on this particular Sunday, and suddenly he heard a loud voice, as if a trumpet, and it spoke to him. This must be the origin of the trumpets in our life. It must be initiated by God, it must be prompted by God, There's not much benefit of making trumpets and then have someone else blow them. I mean, we could have tools and implements in our life for us to accomplish something, to perhaps be a success at a certain career or to be even a success at an illegal endeavor. But that would be of no benefit to us, either naturally or spiritually, if it wasn't initiated by God's Spirit. So the very first thing is, that the trumpet must be initiated by the Spirit of God. So the application to us is when we hear God's voice speak clearly to us in some direction, we're impressed to launch into some new area. His voice has spoken to us that we need to get up and do something, begin our journey. How do I maintain that day by day? How do I actually live that out the next morning and the next morning and the next week and the next month? We need an instrument. We need trumpets that will help us to do it. What are some of the trumpets that we need to hammer out? Well, number one is is that you need to work out a plan. You need to know what your destination is and you need to break it down into steps in order to get there. And those steps are tasks that we need to do. And we need to have a deadline on those tasks so that a trumpet sounds and says, in a week's time, I want to accomplish this. And so that alarm goes off in a week's time. And it asks you, have you done what you wanted to do? Without the alarm to alert us, it can just remain a good intention. And the drowsiness and lethargy of our flesh keeps us from actually good to do. Do you see now why we really need to hammer some things out to help us to overcome? It's not just enough to hear the spiritual voice of the Lord to arise, but we need to hammer out some instruments that help us to accomplish it. Got started in this and we've just laid the foundation, but I hope to go on tomorrow and to explain more clearly what these tools are to us to do what God wants us to do. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. But as you know, we are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 1030. Go to our website at kwcf.org check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now, but the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance.
Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener-Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Good Wednesday, everyone. We have been talking about how we shape our fate. In other words, how do we enter into the future that God has for us? He has thoughts and plans concerning us, and the scripture says that they're for good, not for evil, to give us a future and a hope. How do we enter into it? We are seeing that we have a part to play in actually seeing those plans and purposes come about. We are using a verse in Deuteronomy 10 and verse 11 that says, Arise, begin your journey, go in and possess the land. So we have been talking the last number of days about how we are to arise and how God had called different people in the Bible to arise and begin their journey. We saw yesterday that God gave Moses a plan how he could practically get the children of Israel to arise. He told him to hammer out two silver trumpets. We read this in Numbers 10, verses 1 to 8, where God gave him the different signals that the trumpets were to make so that the camp of Israel would arise and progress as the Lord led. This illustrates that we as human beings need something to help us to overcome the weakness of our flesh. We can have good intentions to do things, But how do we actually respond to God's voice when he says to arise? We have to have an instrument, something that we hammer out that causes us to be able to respond to his voice. So let's start today and hammer out some very practical things that we need to do in order to be able to respond to God. The very first one is, You need to expand your world. If we're going to get up and enter into new territory, then we have to prepare ourselves. When a new challenge is placed before us, we need to have the wherewithal within us to be able to respond. You need to expand your base of knowledge and experiences. Now, these are very practical things. And you may say, well, they're not very spiritual. Well, that may be so, but they will help you spiritually. It's just as when the workers were hammering out the silver trumpets, they could have said, well, how is this going to help us to follow the Lord? But it was very instrumental because they had to hammer out the instruments so that the priests could blow them so the people could arise and follow the leading of the Lord. And so in the very same way, there are some practical things we need to do to expand our world so we can respond to what God says to us. So here are some ways to do it. You need to read. You need to read widely on various topics. Read books, read magazines, read articles. Things that that will expand your worldview. Over the last little while, I've been collecting quotes by famous people on this very area of encouraging us to read. Descartes said, 
The reading of all good books is like conversation with the finest men of the past centuries. What if you could sit down with Abraham Lincoln or Winston Churchill or or any other great man from the past? We would think that's a tremendous opportunity. But the point is, you can. You can sit down with them because they have put their thoughts into books. And so by reading their books, it's like having a conversation with these men. Erasmus said, When I get a little money, I buy books. And if anything is left, I buy food and clothes. You know, many times we don't read because we say, Oh, books are so expensive and I can't afford it. Well, many times you can't afford not to. I was at a conference a little while ago in Alberta and was listening to a billionaire speak. His name was Peter Daniels. And he talked about his own life. And he said when he went to school, he was not a very good student. He was dyslectic and he had difficulty reading and and actually dropped out of school. And his teachers told him that he wasn't going to make anything of his life. And it seemed that they were right until he was 26 years of age. And at that time, he gave his heart to the Lord. And he felt impressed by God that he should expand his horizons. And he began to read. And he said he read 2,000 biographies of successful men. And that the Lord used his reading of these men to sow in him ideas and faith and courage and the desire to make more of himself than he was. And he said during this period of time, he had very, very little money. And he would be bringing home these books. And his wife would say, hey, you bought another book. How are we going to buy groceries? And he said, if you'll let me read these books, I will be able to buy groceries and much more in the future. And he was right. And today he's a billionaire. Now, I'm not saying that we all should be billionaires. But I think we can learn from what this man said. He was attributing much of his success to his reading of biographies of great men. And so I say again, read. Thomas Carlyle said, All that mankind has done, thought, or been, it is lying as in magic preservation in the pages of books. Charles Jones said, You are the same today that you're going to be in five years from now, except for two things, the people with whom you associate and the books you read. Barbara Touchman said, Books are the carriers of civilization. Without books, history is silent, literature dumb, science crippled, thought and speculation at a standstill. They are engines of change, windows on the world, lighthouses erected in the sea of time. Some other quotes I found are, Books are the shoes with which we tread the footsteps of great minds. The oldest books are only just out to those who have not read them. And William Channing said, It is chiefly through books that we enjoy the communion with superior minds. In the best books, authors talk to us, give us their most precious thoughts, and pour their souls into ours. So I encourage you to read. But what if you say, you know, I just can't read. I would love to, but I can't. Well, you can listen to books on tapes, to CDs. You can watch documentaries. You can research things on the Internet. I tell you, there is a wealth of information on the Internet. 
You can travel. You can go to other places. You can take courses at the community college. There are so many ways that you can expand your world. Go into new areas. Read something along a different line than what you've ever read before. Start something new. Listen to a different type of music. Go to a different restaurant. Expand your world. Now, as I'm talking about this, again, I can imagine people asking, well, what, what has this got to do with following God and entering into the purposes that he has for me? It has much to do with it. These things I'm talking about are actually hammering out some things in your life that will help you to be able to respond to a challenging new opportunity that God brings across your path. You see, we need to have an inquisitive mind that wants to learn all that it can about a variety of topics. Now, why is that the case? Well, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 9, that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, See, this is new? It has already been in ancient times before us. The Bible's telling us that there's a lot of knowledge out there. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to come up with a brand new idea. It says there's nothing new under the sun. You can learn much just by going back and seeing what has been done. And as you read and you expand your world, it's like God is putting more into you. It is a way that you can fill yourself with the ways God has used people in the past. You see, if we're going to be creative, then we have to start with something. Only God creates out of nothing. If we're going to be creative and be able to arise and go into a new area, we have to have some content within us. It's like going to a pop machine. You put your money in, but nothing's going to come out unless someone previously has stocked that machine, has put something into it. And if you want to get something out of your life, you have to put something into your life in order for you to be able to have something to draw out. And God will draw it out in creative ways. Another way of illustrating this is thinking about an artist who has a palette with a number of colors on it. And I think we've all watched artist programs on the television where the man stands there with his palette and he takes a little bit of this color and he takes a little bit of that color and he mixes it and he goes, oh, 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 that's nice, that color. Then he, then he goes and he puts it on the canvas and he starts painting. And then he mixes two or three other colors together to get just the shade that he wants to put it on the canvas. You see, God wants us to paint something new, a new masterpiece. But we're only going to be able to paint with the colors that's on our palette. We need to add new colors to our palette. If all you have on your palette is yellow, then that's all that you're going to be able to paint is yellow. And if you only have yellow and blue, well, then you'll be able to paint yellow, you'll be able to paint blue, and you can mix them together and get green. But that's all you're going to be able to paint unless you add another color. And the more colors you have on the palette, the more variety and the picture that you paint. So I'm challenging you today to put on the palette of your life. You can draw out of you things that are old, things that are new. 
and enable you picture something that God wants you to contribute to this world. So to continue the analogy, don't be a black and white Christian. Be a colorful Christian. Be one that gets attention. Be a masterpiece. Let your life contribute to the beauty of the world. The only way to do that is to expand your experiences. Let God lead you into different areas. And as you do, he'll put within you to draw out later as he works through your life. Well, again, that brings us to the end of this day. But we'll continue to talk about these practical things tomorrow. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. But as you know, we are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 1030. Go to our website at kwcf.org to check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now. But the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance. Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener-Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Good Thursday, everyone. We have been talking about shaping our fate. We have seen that God has a wonderful and marvelous plan for our lives, and he has created us perfect in order for us to enter in and fulfill that plan. But so many people fall short. They don't experience what God has for them in their life. The reason is that they haven't contributed their part. We have a part in shaping our fate, shaping our future. Now, that future has different dimensions. Our personal future, our growth and development, the future that we have in our family and what God wants us to be, the future that he might have in our vocation or our business. God has a plan and a future that's good for each and every one of us. And so I have been encouraging you using the words that God gave to Moses, to arise, begin your journey, go in, and possess the land. God has a possession for each and every one of us. We have to arise. We have to begin our journey, go in, and possess the land. In the last few days, we have been talking about the practical steps that we need to take in order to arise. And we saw that God told Moses to hammer out some silver trumpets so that the priests could blow them so the people would know when to arise and to begin their journey. And we are using that as an example 
to say that there are some things that we need to hammer out in our lives, some instruments we need to form, some habits we need to have, some practices that we need to institute in our lives in order for us to be able to arise at the word of the Lord and go forward. And so yesterday we talked about expanding our world, how to put more things into our life so that God can draw out of us that which he wants to do. We talked about an artist who has a palette and different colors on that palette and how he mixes those colors together in order to get the right shade to put on the canvas. The more colors on the palette, the greater variety of colors he can produce on the canvas. How many colors do you have on the palette of your life that God could mix? The more colors we have, then the more beautiful and the more expressive that the picture can be. So to add more colors, I was encouraging you to read, to listen to tapes, to study, to travel, to listen to new music, to to in some way experience more of God's creation. Because he said, that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see this is new? It has already been in ancient times before us. And so the practical hammering out in our life is to expand our world. Begin to experience some of the things that God has already created. Read about the men and women who have gone on before us and have experienced things that we can profit by. So that is the first instrument that I would say you need to hammer out. Now the second one is you need to gather a group of people around you that speaks into your life that you can relate with. You need to have friends, but a certain kind of friend, a friend that will encourage you in the direction that you want to go. There's no sense having friends whose goals and ambitions are opposite of what yours are. The scripture says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? And so in terms of what we're talking here, when you feel that you need to move in a certain direction, God is leading you into something new. Gather around you people that are moving in that same direction that you can gain strength and benefit from. Proverbs 15 and verse 22 says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Now notice what it says here. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. The purpose of God in your life is disappointed. Those things that you have purposed to do will be disappointed unless you have counsel unless you have around you people that will help you, it says here that you will not reach your goal. You will be disappointed. It won't turn out the way you want it to. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. They will actually come about. You will see them come into reality. So it's very important, a very practical step here. If you're going to arise and begin your journey, go in and possess what God has for you, that you have a team around you that will help you move in that direction. Listen to Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9. 
two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now here is God's wisdom on the benefit of teamwork, of having companions that are moving in the same direction that you are. Two is better than one. I mean, having a friend, having a counselor, having a mentor, having an advisor, having someone you can share with is better than if you're just on your own. And it says that they're going to receive the reward. They're going to see the end product, what they desired. But woe to him who is alone, because when he falls, who's going to help him up? This is just a given that when you are moving into your future, into what God has for you, there are going to be stumbling times. There will be times when you fail, when you fall down. You need someone then to encourage you. If you don't have someone to encourage you, you tend to give up. You get frustrated. But if someone reaches down and says, come on, come on, if we can do it, like, let's keep going. And they lift you up, then you can move forward. And also it says, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There is always opposition to what you're going to do. And you can be overpowered by it. Whether it's spiritual opposition, physical opposition, just the opposition of circumstances or just the things that you have to face as you move forward. It doesn't really matter what the nature of that opposition is. It says one may be overpowered, but two can withstand it. No matter what you're wanting to do, you need to have help in doing it. You're not meant to be on your own. Now, obviously, much of the fulfillment of this is when you find yourself in a church where there are relationships and you're connecting with other people and they can encourage you. But I'm not just talking here about spiritual things, although obviously that's very, very important. But I'm talking about practical things, about having the marriage that God wants you to have and the family that he wants you to have. You can't have a good marriage if you're just working on it yourselves. You need someone to help you. You need people around you. This is what God intends for us to be successful. Satan so much wants to separate us from other people and get you to work on things yourself. And when he does, he knows he can overpower you. But when you join with others, there's a tremendous benefit that comes. Now we see the same theme in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. He's saying here 
that we should consider one another in order to stir up the love and the good works that we want to do. In other words, you can't do this on your own, and you need to consider how others can help you. Now, he goes on to say, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. And many times we mention this in the light of the church service, and that is a very sound application of this verse. But you know, you could attend church service on Sunday and not get the benefit that Paul means here. Because it's not just being in the same geographical location at a certain hour on a Sunday morning. That is good and important within itself. But unless you make connections with other people where they know where you're at, where they know what your goals are, where they know what you're struggling towards, you will not get the benefit of it. You need to be in relationship with other Christians that are helping you in your spiritual life in the area of your talents, in the area of your marriage, in the area of your finances, in the area of your vocation. Every dimension of our life would be benefited by having others around us that help us. This is so simple, it's so obvious, and yet I'm amazed how many times myself I try to struggle on my own to overcome something or to accomplish something for the Lord not considering that I need other people around me if I'm going to accomplish this. This is part of the practical hammering out process that we need to have in our life if we're going to enter in to what God has for us. You see, your talent and your ability is not enough to succeed. You need other things added to it. Just the way you're made is not enough. Knowing that God has a plan and purpose for your life is not enough. You have to add something to it. You have to add passion, initiative, focus, and so many other things. And to add these things, you need other people to help you. And so the second thing that I would say to you as we're going to shape our fate is have a team of people around you. Don't neglect it. Consider them to stir up the things within you that's going to cause you to enter into the purposes that God has for you. Well, I see again that that brings us to the end of our time, but we will continue all of this tomorrow. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. But as you know, we are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 10.30. Go to our website at kwcf.org to check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now, but the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance.
Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener-Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Good Friday, everyone. We have been talking for the last number of weeks on how do we shape our fate. God has a future for us, but we have a part to play in bringing it about. And we are using the verse, Arise, begin your journey, go in and possess the land, as the call that we all need to hear to move into the future that God has for us. We are presently dealing with the practical ways that we can do that. Just as God told Moses to hammer out some silver trumpets in order that they could be blown by the priest to cause the people to arise and move in accordance to God's will. I believe that there's some instruments that we need to hammer out and apply to our lives that enable us to get up and to move into God's future. Because just having talent and ability is not enough. There are many people that are very talented, have many skills, and yet they are not successful. They don't fulfill the plan that God has for their lives. We need something more. You know, I've just picked up a book by John Maxwell entitled Talent is Never Enough. And I haven't even read the book yet. But I was looking through the content pages at the beginning of the book where it gives the chapter titles. And it just really fits in to what I'm talking here. Here's the titles of these chapters. Your belief lifts your talent. Your passion energizes your talent. Your initiative activates your talent. Your focus directs your talent. Your preparation positions your talent. Practice sharpens your talent. Perseverance sustains your talent. Courage tests your talent. Your teachability expands your talent. Your character protects your talent. Your relationships influence your talent. Your responsibility strengthens your talent. And your teamwork multiplies your talent. Now, I'm really looking forward to digging into this book because I can see by just reading those chapter titles that it's going to speak to many issues that I need in my life. You see, just the way you're made is not enough. Knowing that God has a plan and purpose for your life is not enough. You have to add something to it. We need to bring all the dimensions that we've just talked about here to your talent. Now, how do we do that? We can do that with other people around us encouraging us and strengthening us. Our belief is strengthened by other people around us. Your passion is fed by other people around you. Success will come by having other people holding you accountable. Your focus the same way, your preparation, your practice, your perseverance, all the things that we mentioned here are encouraged and strengthened by having people around you 
that will help you and encourage you. So the first two instruments that we need to hammer out are expanding your world by reading and experiencing new things and building a team around you that will help you move into your fate. Now there's one final instrument that I would like to talk about and that is you need to plan. You need to think ahead. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Now, this word surely in this verse is used twice. It says that the plans of the diligent surely lead to plenty. And on the flip side, if you're hasty, it will surely lead to poverty. Now, with that admonition, this verse should really get our attention because we want to succeed. We want to be successful and we want to surely be successful. And this verse says, if you plan and you are diligent in carrying out that plan, that you will have plenty. But if on the other hand, you don't take any time to plan, you just rush ahead with the good intentions and with a dream in your heart, you will surely come to poverty. I heard a statement once and it's so true. It said, a dream in your heart without a plan in your head will never bring a reality in your hand. And that's so true. This verse supports it. We need to plan. Now, we know this at certain levels. We know if we're going to start a business, well, you need to have a business plan. Or if you're going to build a house, we wouldn't think of starting without having an architect draw up the plans. And if you're going to do some kind of project, you need to have a plan of how you're going to carry it out. But many times we don't apply this to our own personal lives. We just sort of fly by the seat of our pants and try to be what God wants us to be without sitting down and plotting out a path that will bring us to the goal. Every step you take is important if you're going to reach your goal. And you have to plot out your steps. Now the Bible says that a man plans his way, but God directs his steps. But you have to plan your way. And if you do, God will be with you every step along the way. Now let me share an exercise with you that I believe that we can apply to our personal life. Now when I tell you the name of this exercise, you'll all recognize it. But I have never heard anyone say that we should apply this to our personal lives. But I believe that it applies to business and other areas why wouldn't it apply to our personal lives? What is this practice I'm talking about? Brainstorming. Brainstorming. Now, about a year ago, I went to a seminar that was on brainstorming. And I learned a whole lot about it. The man that was teaching it said, you know, we've all heard about brainstorming and we think it's just a group of people sort of getting together and throwing ideas out. But he said that really isn't the heart of brainstorming. And he shared some principles of how you would brainstorm. Now let me just share them with you and see how they may apply to our personal lives. He said, first of all, most people don't do this well. He said, if you're really going to brainstorm, you need to have seven or eight people in a room 
and you put up the problem or the situation that you're dealing with. Then you have people, one after the other, share how that problem could be solved or how you would attain the goal that's put before you. And he said, you need lots of time for this. He said, the first 10 minutes, you're just going to get ideas that you probably would get if you just sat on your own. But the longer you go at this, the more one idea will feed off another idea. And he gave some practical examples. He said, when you're presenting these ideas, no one should talk more than 30 seconds presenting it. Because all you're doing is just throwing out the seed idea. And secondly, no one can criticize the idea by saying, oh, that won't work, or we tried that before. Because at this point, there is no evaluation of the ideas. All you're doing is throwing the ideas out. And the value of this is that one idea can trigger another idea in another person's mind that they would never have gotten on their own. But because all the ideas are being thrown out, it's generating a creativity in the minds of the others that are listening. Another thing that he said is that these ideas should be numbered and put on the board so that it's not connected to the person that gave the idea. Because many times later when you're evaluating the ideas, it's so connected to the person because we say, what was your idea, Bob? And then now Bob has a vested interest in seeing this work or the others may be cautious in criticizing it because they don't want to offend Bob. And so the idea is to put a number on that idea and put it on a board. So now it's just an idea with a number and it's not connected to any one person. And he suggested that you do this for at least 30 minutes. And let there be times of silence when people are just thinking. Because the more you do this, the more ideas are going to be generated. You see, many times we just need to think outside the box. And we don't have a solution to our problem because we're only viewing it from our mindset. And many times when you're in a brainstorming situation, ideas are thrown out there. And God is always greater than us. He always will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we would ask or think. And so we need our horizons expanded by having multiple ideas. Ideas that at first you would reject. But then when it's combined with another idea, or if you look more closely at it, you say, yeah, I, I think we could do that. Now, folks, this works in business. When you're developing a new product or you're going to market it, it works in different areas. But what about our personal life? What if we put up on the board how I could better my communication with my spouse? And there's three or four couples there and everyone is putting forth ideas on that. What if we talked about how I could have more quality time with my family? And you spend a half an hour to an hour putting ideas up on the board. Or perhaps how I could have a more consistent prayer life. Or how we could touch our community more with the good news of Jesus Christ. Or perhaps how can we better raise our children. Have we ever thought to apply a brainstorming situation to these very practical and eternal values that are important in our lives? If it's important to brainstorm and plan in business, why wouldn't it be important to apply these same principles to our own personal lives? Now, I have never done that, but I believe there's something in this. And so I throw this challenge out to you to say, let's lay hold of this principle that if we're going to shape our fate, 
then we need to expand our world. We need to build a team of people that will help us. And we need to plan. And one of the instruments that helps us to plan is brainstorming. Actually, I believe if you did this in a prayerful way, that it really could be linking into the mind of Christ and letting his creativity work through the people that's in the room to bring forth his solution to many of our difficult situations. So in closing, let's put all these pieces together. Let's arise, begin our journey, go in and possess the future that God has for us. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. But as you know, we are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 1030. Go to our website at kwcf.org to check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now. But the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance. Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener-Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Good Monday, everyone. Well, this is the beginning of a new week, also the beginning of a new study. And the study that we're going to start is on that very topic, one on beginnings. I want to talk to you about fresh beginnings, new beginnings, shaping your fate. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Now, I'm sure we've all heard that expression, the first day of the rest of your life. But it's true. It's an optimistic point of view that regardless of the past, this is a new beginning. You know, your future does not need to be determined by your past. You can start over again. And I tell you, many of us need it. Many of us, as we look at our life, you can see where you failed, where life has put you behind the eight ball, as it were. And you just feel like, oh, if I could just start over again. Well, you can. I mean, God designed our life this way. He even designed our days this way. I mean, you can be tired at the end of the day and you can go to bed, but when you wake up, it's a new day. It's a new morning. It's a new start. You feel refreshed. We have new beginnings every day. We can have a new beginning every week. We can begin in a new month and we can begin in a new year. Let this be a year of new beginnings. God is one who gives us fresh starts. He knows that we need them. 
He knows that we cannot just accumulate the cares of life day after day. In fact, when he was teaching in Matthew 6 and 34, he said, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here he tells us just to live our life one day at a time, that there is enough trouble in every day to occupy us, but start fresh the next day. And so I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about your future. We all have a future. And that future begins today. We all can begin afresh and anew. Now, what do you think your future holds? We don't know. But we do know one thing. We know who holds the future. And that's where those of us that believe in God have a leg up on everyone else. There is a confident foundation in our thinking that God holds our future. That he cares for us that he loves us, that he has a plan for our life, and that he will unfold that future as it should be. Jeremiah chapter 29 and 11 is a great verse for us. And it says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. One of the translations of this says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a good plan for us. It's just for us to connect with him, find out what that plan is, and walk it out in his power. And if we do, the best is yet to come. The best is still in front of us. So, what will our future be? What will our fate be? Now, The principles I want to share with you are how to shape your fate. How to actually enter in to all the good plans and all the good thoughts that God has for our lives. How do we enter into it? Is it just chance? Some people are blessed and others aren't. Some people have good fortune and others don't. Is it just all sort of left up in the air and there's nothing that determines it? In fact, some people believe that. They think it's just fate. And the definition that they give to fate is that it's something that is predetermined. And you have no way to control it. It's just fate. It's just your time or it's not your time for things to happen. And you really have nothing to do about it. But I don't believe that's the way it is. The Bible says if anything is determined for us, it's good plans that God has for us. He has a plan and purpose for every person. He has an exciting life for every person to live. Now notice, I didn't say it would be without trouble, without challenges, without uh, problems. Because how would you live an exciting life if you didn't have any problems? If you didn't have any challenges before you? No, the life that we live can be really fraught with a lot of difficulties. But it still can be an exciting life. Because as you go forward and you handle those difficulties and you overcome and you conquer, there's no better feeling than conquering difficulties and problems and coming out on the other side. God has a plan and purpose for every one of us. He has a work, as it were, for us to do. A work in handling problems, handling difficulties, making life better for ourselves and those around us. This is his plan. This is his purpose. We're his agents in the world. 
and he wants us to do his bidding. He has a fate for us, but will we enter into it or not? I believe that we have a part to play in our fate. I believe that we can actually shape our fate. That it's not determined yet. We have a part to play to bring it into being. Now, God knows the future. He's designed us. He has plans for us. But they don't always come about. I mean, the scripture says that he's not willing for any to perish. But we know by his word that many will perish, that they will not come to salvation. But God's not willing for that to happen. In fact, he died, the scripture says, once for all. He took all the sins of the world upon himself. And he offers forgiveness to each and every person. It's available for us. His desire is for every person to come to salvation, be forgiven, be renewed in their spirit, empowered, and to live the life he has for them. But not everybody will receive it. Not everyone will move into it. And so it is in the more specific details of our life. I believe God has a plan and purpose for every one of us, wherever you are right now. Just name the date. Wherever you are right now, God sees all of your past. He knows what you are. And in his omniscient and all-powerful self has a plan and purpose for you to walk out from where you are right now into the future. But whether you walk it out will be determined by your responses. So I want you to see that God has a preferred future for you. He has a preferred fate for you. But you have a part to play in walking it out. There are many promises in the Bible that start with if. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then they will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their lands. Now, those are tremendous promises. Those are things that God wants to do. But notice it starts with, if my people who are called by my name, if we do this, then God will bring about the results. And so it is over and over in the scripture. If we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. If we give with the same measure we give, it shall be given back to us. So the promises of God are for us. The tremendous future that God has for us is available to us. But we have a part to play in shaping it. That's why I believe Paul said in Philippians 3 and verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was pressing forward to something better. He said, I haven't apprehended. Well, he had apprehended a lot of things, but he hadn't apprehended everything. He said, I haven't apprehended. I'm still pressing forward, and I'm forgetting the past, my failures and my successes, because both failures and successes of the past can hinder you Moving forward, your failures will hinder you in the fact that you think, well, I can't do it. I never have been able to do it, and so I can't do it now. But that's a lie. Just because you haven't done it in the past doesn't mean you can't do it in the future. A child that can't do something at one year of age 
can do it at two years of age. And something they couldn't do at two years of age, they can do at five years of age. And so it is in our spiritual development. There's lots of things that we haven't been able to do to this point in time. But if we keep moving with God, keep walking with God, we'll be able to enter into it in the future. You see, we can't allow our past failures to hinder us from moving forward. I just came back from Thailand a short while ago, and of course, they're known for elephants. And uh, I was there and was even able to ride an elephant. But I noticed that elephants there would have a rope tied around their leg to a stake in the ground. And as an elephant went so far and the rope became taut, he would stop. And you think, well, why would the elephant do that? Doesn't he know that if he just pulls a little bit with his leg, he can pull that stake right out of the ground? Why doesn't he? Why does he stop? Why can they just put an elephant anywhere and put a rope on his leg and put a stake in the ground? Well, they tell me it's because when they're young, they put a rope around that little baby elephant's leg and tie it to a tree. And that baby elephant will tug and tug and pull and pull until finally they just give up and they realize, I can't pull against this rope. So as they get older, because they're conditioned to their failure, now as a full-grown elephant, they can put a rope around their leg and just put a stake in the ground and they'll come to the end and stop. Folks, that's how we are many times. We don't move into the future that God has for us. We don't rise to the challenge. We don't try things that God wants us to try because of our past failures. But listen, we've grown up. We're not the way we were before. We can do more than what we've ever done in the past. Don't let your past failures keep you from trying. Your past does not need to determine your future. We learn from our past, but now in the power of the Lord, we can go forward and do much greater things than what you could ever imagine you could do. So don't let the failures of your past hinder you. And also, don't let the successes of your past hinder you. Because once you've achieved something, then you sort of get content back and you say, well, I sort of arrived and it's good enough. Listen, never let that attitude come in to your mind that says, it's as good as it's going to get. There's always more. God of his riches and wealth always has more for us in every area of our life. Never be content to stop. Keep moving. Paul had tremendous ministry. Paul had tremendous victories. And yet he said, relying on those things, I'm pressing forward. Well, we'll have to leave this and pick it up tomorrow. We'll be back and we'll speak more of these things. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. But as you know, we are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 10.30. Go to our website at kwcf.org to check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now, but the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance.
Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener-Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Well, good Tuesday, everyone. Yesterday, we began a new topic. We began to talk about our future and that God wants us to have a fresh start, a new beginning. He gives us a fresh start every day. We have new months. We have new years. And it is important that we take advantage of these. Every one of us needs to have a fresh start. And we said yesterday, God's future for us is very, very good. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God's future for every person is good. He'll take the way he's made us with our talents and our abilities and direct us so that we will use all of those abilities to the fullest extent for his benefit and his glory. And regardless of what you have done in the past, I'm encouraging you today to take a fresh start, to shape your fate, the fate that is before you. Now, the definition of fate is something that unavoidably befalls a person because it's decreed. We all have a fate that's in front of us, and it's going to be decreed by something. Now, many of us think it's just decreed by something beyond ourselves. We have no part or parcel of it that whatever happens is going to happen. I read not too long ago about a man falling out of a 47-story building and surviving. And they asked him why he thought he survived. And he said, well, it's just not my time yet. To him, it was fate. It wasn't his time. So it didn't matter how high the building was. He could have fallen out of a 100-story building. And if it wasn't his fate, well, then he wouldn't die. Well, obviously, I wouldn't test that theory too far because most people will die. So I believe our fate is decreed, but not apart from ourselves. God has a plan and purpose for our life that is good. And whether we enter into it or not is much determined by ourselves. Whether we cooperate with God, whether we press into Him, whether we use initiative, whether we step out, all of these things are important. And so, yes, our fate is decreed by things. And from God's point of view, He has a good plan for us. But we need to add our decrees, as it were. We need to add our part so that God's preferred future for us comes about. Now, I just want to go on and underline this aspect that our future is brighter and better than anything you could ever imagine. Most of the times we want a fresh start because we've messed up and we want to start over again. And there's nothing wrong with that. And other times, we look forward to a fresh start just simply because we want more. And let me say to you today, God agrees with that. God wants you to have more. That is just a given. Wherever you are, 
whatever state your life is in, whatever you hold, whatever your plans are, I believe that God wants you to have more. In fact, the scripture is very clear in this. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. This scripture is telling us that God is able to do not just above all that we would ask or think, but exceedingly abundantly above all that we would ask him for or that we'd even be able to think and imagine. God's power is so far beyond what we can conceive. And so I say again, God wants you to have more than what you have right now. And he wants you to have it for the right reason, so that you would use it for the benefit of others to bring glory to him. Now this desire that's within every person to want more is not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's God-given. I think that that innate desire to want more comes because we are creation of God and we're designed to be connected with Him. If you have not been born again, if you have never accepted Christ into your life and your spirit has not been joined with His spirit, then in us there's a vacuum, there's a void. There's something that we long for that we don't have. And so many people in the world want more. They don't realize that what they really want is God and a relationship with him. So they try to fill it with other things. More money, more adventure, more praise, more pleasure. And so we can try to fill that void with things that are negative and that will actually hurt us. But the desire to have more is because we were designed to be connected with an infinite God, an all-powerful God, that we would be energized by Him and that the plan for our life would come from His heart and from His mind. And so we desire to have more. Now, does that end once we become a Christian? No, it doesn't. Because once you're joined with God, now suddenly you are connected to His heart and his attributes. And God is infinite. And he's all-powerful. And he's all-knowing. And so when you connect with God, there is an ever-expanding dimension to our life. We want to explore and experience more and more of this life and of what God has for us. Because he is ever-expanding. I mean, God created the universe. And scientists tell us that it's still expanding. It's still growing. When God said, let there be light, there was light. And that light is still going out further and further. And so this desire to have more is generated because we're a creation of God and we're joined to God. And so for us to experience it, we don't have to persuade God. Oh, God. Would you please give me more? Would you expand my horizons? Would you expand my responsibilities? Would you give me more and more opportunities? No, we don't have to persuade God. This is his heart and plan for us. That which limits us is ourself. We don't envision it. We don't have faith for it. And as a result, we don't reach out for it. 
And so what I want to challenge everyone with today is to realize this. Rise to the challenge. Step out. Start something new. Begin. Shape your fate. Add your contribution to what God has purposed for you. And we'll begin to experience things that we thought were never possible. You see, if God is our source, then we have an infinite supply. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And so the scripture is saying that once we connect with God, as we give, he'll give more to us. You see, many times we staunch the flow of God in us because we don't give. We cap the output. And because we're capping the output, it can't come in because our life is designed as a conduit. God gives it to us. He wants it to flow through us out to others. But if we become stingy and we don't have God's mind and we think there's a limited source, well, then we'll keep and hoard what he's given us. And as a result, the input ceases because it's not flowing out. But if we'll keep giving, then God will keep giving to us. In fact, it says here, with the same measure that you give out, it will be measured back to you again. And so what we're saying is that God's desire is to bring increase to you. And that increase will come as we give out to others. Colossians 2 and 19 says that when we're connected to the head, Christ, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Increase comes from God. Now, let me ask you, what is God's increase? God's increase is multiplication. In Genesis 1.28, he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God said, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 22 and verse 17 was, Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. He told Isaac in Genesis 26, 24, I will bless you and multiply your descendants. Isaac's son Jacob, God speaks to him and says, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. And a company of nations shall proceed from you. And kings come from your body. I mean, can you imagine this? He's telling Jacob here that your descendants are not just going to be a nation, but a company of nations. God always does abundantly above all that we would ask or think. Now, you may be listening and saying, yeah, I know, but you're just pulling some Old Testament scriptures about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and how does that apply to me today? Well, listen to what Paul writes in goods to this church. He says in chapter 3 and verse 7, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, that's you and I, 
preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, leaving Abraham. That the very promises here to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can be possessed by those who have faith, that will lay hold of it. You see, all these promises that were given to Abraham were to him and his seed. And Paul makes the case in his writings that that seed was Christ. And so the fulfillment of all these promises that are in Christ. And so I want to increase your thinking today. I want you to realize the tremendous plan that God has for you. And it's time for us to step up to the plate and to exercise our faith and to believe God for a better future than what you're experiencing right now. Well, again, I see our time is gone and we will pick this up tomorrow. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. But as you know, we are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 1030. Go to our website at kwcf.org to check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now. But the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance. Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener-Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Good Wednesday, everyone. Well, we have been talking about our future and how we move into the good future that God has for every one of us. We can shape our fate. It's not determined for us. It's not set apart from our decisions and our choices. Yes, God has a preferred future for us, and we saw yesterday that that is extremely good. He has an amazing future for each and every one of us. God's creativity is so immense, so vast. And when he looks at you, he sees what he's made and he sees our possibilities and what we can enter into. And it is far greater than what we could ever imagine on our own. But we need to enter into it. We have a part to play in shaping our future. So, how do we do that? Well, there's a verse that's really come alive to me in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 11. And in this verse, we have the word of the Lord to Moses after he came down from the mount with the Ten Commandments. It said, The Lord said to him, Arise, 
begin your journey before the people, that you may go in and possess the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Here, Moses is told to arise, begin your journey, lead the people into the land that I swore that I would give to them. You know, I think this verse is applicable to us in our lives. God has a preferred future for us. He has, as it were, a land for us to possess, a future for us to possess and to live in. And he has promised it to us. We've already talked about this in the last few days. As God says, the plans I have for you are good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. He has great things in store for us. How do we enter into it? Well, this verse says, arise, begin your journey, go in and possess the land. This is a verse that we have adopted in our church for this year. In fact, there's a banner hanging in our foyer that says, arise, begin your journey, go in and possess the land. And so how practically do we do this? Well, I think that there's three steps in this. First, if you're going to arise and begin your journey, you have to know where your destination is. Where are you planning to go? So the first thing I would say to you is gain your destination from the Lord. You know, there's much written in self-help books that tell us that we need to have a vision. And without a vision, you're not going to go very far. You need to set goals towards your vision. And that is true. But in most of those books, it leaves out the God element. They challenge you to come up with a vision. What would you like? What would please you? What would you want to obtain? Where do you want to be? As if this vision should come from ourselves. But that is very short-sighted. That doesn't see that there is a God who created us, a God who designed us, and has a future for our life. And the future that God has designed for us is perfect for the way he designed us. He knows more about us than we know about ourselves. He knows what will bring us satisfaction. He knows our talents and abilities. He knows what we can handle and not handle. And all of that is taken into account as to how he has designed our future. And so for us to be truly successful is to determine the plan that God has for our lives. So it's just not a matter of getting a vision. It's a matter of gaining his vision for our life. Now, how do we do that? By seeking the Lord and allowing his spirit to envision us. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 12, we find that David gives plans to his son Solomon on how to build the temple. And it says this, Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat, and the plans for all that he had by the Spirit. This verse is telling us that David gave detailed plans to Solomon of how God wanted the temple to look. And it says that those plans were given to David by the Spirit. I believe that God has detailed plans for our lives. How do we gain them? 
by following them day by day, moment by moment, being led by His Spirit. He gives us a sense inside of what He wants us to do and what He wants us to be. It's interesting when Paul was first converted on the road to Damascus and Ananias visited him and prayed for him. And he told Paul right at that moment of conversion that he was a chosen vessel and that he was going to bring God's message to the Gentiles and he would stand before kings and rulers. This was given to Paul right at the very beginning of his spiritual walk. And I'm amazed how many people, as they first come to the Lord, have a sense of their destiny. It's like God gives them a little glimpse of what they're going to be in the future. Now, they don't know the road that's going to take them there. They don't know how all of this is going to come about. And it usually doesn't happen the way that they surmise that it's going to happen. But again, it's amazing to me how people get a sense of their destiny. And so, I'm encouraging you to gain your destination from the Lord. Don't just determine for yourself what you're going to be and what career you're going to be in and what you're going to do with your life. Ask the Lord, submit and say, Lord, show me by your spirit what you have for me. And once you gain that destination, then the second thing you need to do is plot your course. We have to arise and begin our journey. You have to start moving toward your goal. You have to take initiative. You actually have to sit down and plot it out. Now, if you were going to go on a natural trip, many times we take out a map and we plot our way. In other words, what roads are we going to take to get there? Proverbs 16 and verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his way. You need to plan your way. You have to begin your journey. So you have to say, what is the first step? How am I going to get from A to B? The B is God-given. We have a sense of where he wants us to be. But what am I going to do to move towards it? We have to plan our way. If you don't, you just may stumble around in circles. You need to choose a road to go on. Like if I'm going to travel from Kitchener to Toronto, how am I going to get there? Well, I'm going to take the 401 down to Toronto. Why? Because it's a way. It's a pathway. It's the road. Creeks and gullies have bridges over them. The valleys have been filled in. The knolls have been taken down. It's a pretty straight path to the destination. If I didn't take the way, I would just sort of start off cross-country and I'm going to hit creeks and streams and fences and forest areas. I'm not going to be able to get there unless I plan my way. I choose an established way, a path, a roadway. Now, we see this in the natural, but many times we don't see this in the spiritual. That to gain our destination, to move to our goal, there is something we have to do. We need to arise and begin our journey. You need to start thinking about how am I going to get to where I'm going. And other people have gone that way before us. How did they get there? Find out. Talk to people. 
Find out how they move from where they were to their destination. We do not need to recreate the wheel in order to move into God's plan and purpose for our life. There are established ways of getting there. So that's the second thing. Plot your course. And the third aspect is, God will be with you step by step. This verse in Proverbs 16, 9 that I mentioned, a man's heart plans his way, finishes with the phrase, but the Lord directs his steps. These go hand in hand. We are to plan our way, but then God comes along and directs our steps. It's not either or, it's both and. We have a part to play. We need to arise. We need to begin our journey. We need to set out on a pathway to say, here's how I'm going to move towards my goal. But as you're moving down that pathway, God promises that I will be with you step by step. I'll show you when to slow down, when to quicken your pace, when to make a detour off of that path onto another because of some unforeseen danger down that road. God will lead us step by step. So let me review these three aspects with you. If you're going to arise and begin your journey, and enter into God's preferred future that He has for your life, first of all, you have to discern by the Spirit where He wants you to go. What is the vision that God has for your life? What does He want you to do with your life? If you seek Him with all of your heart, the Scripture says you will find Him. Determining God's will for your life need not be difficult. It becomes difficult when we are distracted by so many things that we are pushing into the picture. But if we can just quiet ourselves and just be in His presence and abide in His Spirit, He will envision us. He longs to envision us. We do that by gaining spiritual counsel and that vision begins to form before us. Now when that happens, then you need to do the second thing. Plot your course. Begin to take some initiative. Begin to determine where is my next step for me to reach that destination. And so again, the Bible tells us that counselors bring safety, that they will help us. And so we devise a plan, a course to take. And as you move down that course, the Bible promises that God will direct us step by step. There's more that we can say about this, but that will have to wait till tomorrow. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. But as you know, we are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 10.30. Go to our website at kwcf.org to check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now, but the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance.
Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener-Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Good Thursday, everyone. Well, we have been talking about our future and how we can shape our fate. God has a preferred future for us that is good and great and beyond anything that we can imagine. But we have a part to play in entering into that and possessing the future that God has for us. The verse we've been using to inspire us is Deuteronomy 10 and verse 11 where the Lord said to Moses after he'd given him the Ten Commandments, Arise, begin your journey, go in and possess the land. Arise, begin your journey, go in and possess the land. And this is the challenge that's before all of us, that we have a part to play. We have to arise. We have to get up. We have to get out of our comfort zone if we're going to go in and possess the land. Now, there's different areas of our life that we can possess. Uh, As I look at life, I've sort of broken it down into seven areas, and it's how I assess my own life and judge how well I'm doing in different areas. And these seven areas are my spiritual life, the area of my talents and abilities, my physical being, my relationships, my work and vocation, my finances, and how I'm relating to those in community in the neighborhood where I live. Now, these seven areas, God has a future for us. He has a preferred future in every one of these areas. And this verse and this formula that I'm proposing to you to arise, begin your journey, go in, possess the land, these principles can be applied to every area of our life. So I invite you to look at your own life. What about your spiritual life? Is it something that's growing and expanding? Are you possessing everything that God would want you to possess in that area of your life? Or are you sort of laid back and you're just sitting in an easy chair? And you're not putting any effort forward to begin your journey in that direction. Well, I would encourage you and say, get up, arise, go and do something about this. There is an immense area before you in your spiritual development. Your spirit is where you contact God. And there is nothing that would supersede the value and benefit of relating to God. I mean, he's the creator of the universe. He designed you. He knows all about you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. So why wouldn't we expand that area of our life? Why wouldn't we put an effort forward to increase our spiritual hunger, our desire, and capacity? And God just longs for that to happen. Well, what are some of the things you could do to arise in that area? Well, one thing is just get around spiritual people. Get around people 
that know God in their spirit. If you're not going to church, you need to go to church. If you're not reading the Bible, you need to begin to read it. If you're not talking to the Lord in prayer, you need to start talking to the Lord in prayer. And if you are a Christian, these areas can help you and be avenues to a greater spiritual capacity that we can have in the Lord. So the first thing I'd say, arise and begin your journey in the area of your spirit. The second is in the area of your talents and abilities. God has given people so many talents and abilities that are just lying dormant in their life. They've never developed them. They've never pursued them. And I would encourage you, what talents have people told you that you've had or that you are aware that you have them? Are you developing them? Are you honing them? Are you using them to their fullest capacity? This is an area where you can arise, begin your journey, go in and possess the land. The third area is our physical being. How would God see your physical being? What would be his ideal weight for you? What would God's preferred level of fitness be for you? These are areas we need to look at before the Lord. And if no other, this is one we need to arise and begin our journey. The more physical exercise you can have, the more you watch your diet, then the more you're going to possess the physical well-being and health that God wants us to have. The fourth area is our relationships. How are you in relationship with others? Now, folks, this is just one that we can all improve in because this is just learning skills to get along with other people. We need to arise and do something about this. There's lots of good books. There's much teaching in the scripture on how to get along with other people. And so arise, begin your journey. Go in and possess some of these areas. Improve your relationship with your spouse. Improve your relationship with your children and the people you work with and people that live around you. These are areas you can grow in. God has a greater future for you in these areas than what you are experiencing. And then the fifth area is the area of your work and your vocation. How are you doing in that? Are you working as unto the Lord? Do you have standards of excellence in what you do? Are you improving in that area? Are you advancing? I think this is an area you can bring before the Lord and say, I want to see the area you have for me in this. I want to advance in this area. And then the sixth area is the area of finances. And again, this is one that a lot of people struggle in. Everybody wants to do better. People want to get out of debt or they want to improve their financial situation. And this is one where the Bible is so rich in telling us how to improve our financial situation. The only problem is the way to improve your financial situation is just the opposite of how we naturally think. But the Bible tells us how to get our thinking renewed and how to understand that God is our source and that money is just something that we use in this world, but it's not our source. And there's so much that can go into this, but I'm challenging you Arise, begin your journey, begin to look into these things. Find out 
what God says about money. Find out the things that lead to poverty. There's 10 things in Proverbs that says if you do these things, it will lead to poverty. So arise, begin your journey. Go in and possess the land. And then the last area is how you are relating to your community. How are you being a good citizen? How are you bringing the values of our citizenship in heaven to bear upon our citizenship in our nation and in our community? How are we reaching out and bettering the community that we're living in? Now, these are seven areas that I've just quickly gone over. But every one of these areas, God has more land, more territory for you to enter in and to possess. And again, this verse rings to us. Arise, begin your journey, go in, possess the land. This is something that God has for us. He has a great future for us, but we have a part to play in bringing it about. The first step is to arise. And I've said many times, if you're going to walk with God, you can't stay where you are. If you're going to walk with God, you have to change. You have to move. Because God is moving. And He's walking. And if you're going to walk with Him, you've got to stop being where you are and start doing something in order to walk with Him. We have to arise. We have to get up. We have to put an effort forward. You know, this is something we don't want to do. You know, you're sitting in a big easy chair and then someone asks you to do something. Well, all right, I've got to get up to do that. We don't want to get up. We don't want to get up even to change the television. We want to have the remote control right beside us. And how irksome is it many times? You're sitting in the chair and you want to change the TV and you think, oh, I've got to get up to get the remote. I mean, this is just something that's part of our human nature. When we get in a comfortable chair, we just want to sit back and we want to relax. Now, I suppose there's not too much wrong with that as far as just on the physical level. But when it comes to a spiritual complacency, where we're just sitting back and we don't want to put any effort forward to progress in our relationship with God, to progress in any one of these seven areas that I've talked about, then there is a real problem. Because you're not going to go anywhere. We've got to get up. The first call to us from God is to arise. Get out of your comfort zone. Do something different. Get moving. Now, I went through the scripture and just traced the places where God called people to arise. The first one is Abraham in Genesis 13 and 17. And God says to him, Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. This is really what we've been talking about here. If we're going to possess new territory, if we're going to occupy areas in our future that we don't have right now, you have to arise. You've got to begin your journey. You have to start stepping out, doing something that you haven't done before walking into new areas that you've never walked on before. And I challenge you today, don't sit back. Put away your lethargy. 
Get up. Step out. Start something. Whether it be in the area of your spiritual being, your talents and abilities, your physical, your relationships, your finances, how you relate to your... This is the challenge to us. We need to get up. We need to start. We need to launch out. You know, the journey around the world begins with the first step. And that's what we need to do. Step out, putting one foot just ahead of the other. You may not know where it's all going to lead. You don't know where the final destination is going to be. But God says, wherever you put the effort forward, if you put your foot out, I'll give it to you. As you launch the future that God has for you, He will secure it for you every step that you take. Well, this is quite a challenge to us, but I hope that you'll rise to it. Arise, begin your journey, step out, go in and possess the land. Well, we'll talk more about this tomorrow. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. But as you know, we are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 1030. Go to our website at kwcf.org to check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now, but the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance. Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Good Friday, everyone. We have been talking about our future and that it is a good future. God has good plans for us. And from his point of view, he wants us to increase, to expand, to reach our full potential, to do great things in this earth. So how do we participate and fulfill the plans and purposes that God has for us? Well, we see that we have a significant part to play. Our choices, our actions shape our fate. And the verse that we have been using to encourage us is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 11. And in essence it says, arise, begin your journey, go in and possess the land. These were God's words to Moses after he had given him the Ten Commandments. He said, arise, begin your journey, lead this people in and possess the land that I have given you. God had promised this land to Israel. That's why it's called the promised land. But the children of Israel had to arise, begin their journey, and go in and possess it. 
And we are seeing that this is the very same admonition to us today. God has a promised future for us. But we are to arise, go in, and possess the land. Now yesterday we looked at what God had said to Abraham. He told him to look to the north, the south, the east, and the west, and to arise and walk in the land, and he would give it to him. And so again, this word arise is significant to us. And I challenge you today, those who are listening, arise, get up, do something, get out of your comfort zone, begin to do something differently. That is the only way that you are going to enter in and possess what God has ordained for you. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So this is a theme that comes to us over and over in Scripture. God will do his part if we will respond and do our part. So yesterday I challenge you to arise in the area of your spiritual life, in the area of your talents and abilities, your physical well-being, to arise and go in and possess the land in your relationships and in your work and in your finances and in your community involvement. These seven areas of life, we need to arise and do something in order to possess the future that God has for us. Now, many times we feel incapable of arising. We say, well, it sounds good, but I don't think I have the strength or the willpower to really press and reach forward in the way that you're talking of. Well, we find in Acts chapter 9 and verse 32 a story here that speaks to this whole issue that I think will help us to gain some insights. Acts 9 and verse 32 now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt at Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now this story here can really speak to us because in many ways we can be like Aeneas. Oh, we may not have the physical paralysis that he had, but many times we have paralysis in our life. This condition of Aeneas speaks beyond the realm of a physical impairment. And can speak to us as someone who has a paralysis of mind and of soul and spirit. Someone that's emotionally and spiritually bedridden. It's a person who feels depleted of life. And they're just lying on their bed and they're just existing. But they're not really able to get up and do anything and explore and enjoy life the way God wants them to. And Peter finds this man. And it's interesting, it says he found him in Lydda. Now, if we look just historically, we see that Lydda was at a crossroads where two major intersections cross, the route leading between Egypt and Babylon and the route between Joppa and Jerusalem. 
here was a crossroad. And right in this crossroad, Aeneas was lying. And he had been bedridden eight years. Now, I just love studying these stories because they're so rich in analogy. Many times we lie at the crossroads of our life where a decision we make can lead us one way or the other way. And sometimes we get paralyzed right there in the decision-making process. And we're bedridden. This man had been bedridden for eight years. Now, the number eight in the Bible represents new beginnings, a fresh start. And this is what we're talking about in this whole series of talks here on the radio, that we have a future. This is the first day of the rest of our life. And the choices we make now will determine our destination in the future. And God doesn't want us to be bedridden at this crossroad. The call to this man was to arise and make your bed. This same call comes to this man that came to Moses to arise, that came to Abraham to arise, and he tells Aeneas here, arise. Now, Aeneas could have said, that's fine, but I'm paralyzed. I don't have the strength to get up. But the scripture said he didn't take that attitude. It said that he arose immediately. In other words, he put an effort forth to get up, even though everything told him that for the past eight years he couldn't do this. But at the word of Peter, he put an effort forward. And as he put the effort forward, then strength entered him, and he was able to do what he couldn't do before. Now, hear me today. This is what can happen to us. We can get in a mental state where we have just given up, where we feel there's no use. I've tried in the past, and it hasn't worked. And we get into this paralyzed state of mind that really depletes us of life, and we just lie around where we feel we can never do anything. The call of God to us is to arise. It doesn't matter if you couldn't do something in the past. At the word of the Lord, if you will respond and put an effort forward, you will be able to get up. How many of us have raised children and we've watched them learn to walk? For a number of months, we'll stand them on their feet and sort of, help them walk or will lean them against the coffee table and they'll take a little step sideways as they learn to cruise. But listen, for weeks and months, they try to do it and they end up falling. But we know they're growing. They're increasing in strength and ability. And eventually, they're going to be able to take a step or two and not fall. And then they're going to take another step and not fall. We need to see that it's the same in our spiritual development. Just because we couldn't do something yesterday doesn't mean if we try again, we can't do it today. We have to get this bed-ridden, paralyzed way of thinking out of our mind. We have to see our potential. We have to see that in Christ we can do all things. And that just because I failed in the past doesn't mean that I'm not going to try in the future. God's call to us always is to arise. So every time the paralyzed thinking comes to us that says, oh, I wish I could do that, or I'd like to do that someday, or or I could never do that, 
cast it off. Get rid of it. In fact, when Peter spoke to Aeneas, he told him, Arise and make your bed. Now, why did he say this? Because Aeneas had a bed. I don't know what it was, perhaps a number of cushions that he laid upon. And why did he have that? It was to give him comfort in lying on the ground in his paralyzed condition. It took the roughness off of the ground so he could lie more comfortably. Oh, listen, don't we all do that? Don't we have our bed of excuses? We have our cushion that eases our conscience, that eases our restlessness when we feel like we should get up and be doing something, but we have all of our reasons why we can just stay in the state that we're in, that no one should expect us to do more than what we're doing right now. The Bible says here, make up your bed. In other words, get rid of that kind of thinking. Take away your safety net, as it were, and just launch out. Put an effort forward. Even though you failed in the past, say, I'm going to put my leg down. I'm going to press up. I'm going to put an effort forward. I'm going to get up at the word of the Lord. I hope that my words today would be like the words of the Lord to you. To say, get up. Get rid of your bed of excuses. And begin to walk in life as God intended you to. You see, it's our actions based on faith that releases God's future into our life. It says in Matthew 13 and 58 that the Lord could do no mighty works in a certain area because of their unbelief. You see, we need to believe, and we show our belief by action. We are to show our faith by our works. Now, what was the result in Aeneas' case? It said that all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Is it possible that when we arise and get up and do what God wants us to do, that we will affect the world around us, where we will actually affect others? It's your spouse, your children, your relatives, your friends or co-workers who need to see what God has done and is doing in you. And as a result, they'll be influenced to be what God wants them to be. So, let the words of the prophet Isaiah Ring in our ears, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Well, that's all the time we have for this week, but we will continue on Monday. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener, but as you know, We are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 10.30. Go to our website at kwcf.org to check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now, but the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance.